Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. We're back here on the first team. Joe DeLeon, Ryan Roberts, giving you more summer scouting analysis. We're doing our first position ranking of the summer, that being offensive tackles. We did a couple scouting report episodes. We had a couple days that we were off, but we are back to give you our top five offensive tackles. Some really good talent at the top. A couple of guys that I, I think there might be some good disparity amongst who is in the back end of our top fives. Ryan, I, one thing I have noticed, I just want to bring up before we do get in, into this list, it feels as though there's not a lot of, not as much depth as I was hoping for. I, I think it kind of tails off just a little bit uh, as we start mm-hmm. to get into the back end of these top fives, but still some pretty good starting caliber players that can contribute at the next level. Man, I, I was upset, Joe. There was a couple of guys that nearly made the list that I couldn't get on the list. So I was I was even thinking about really? being a cheater and doing the uh, 5A, 5B thing. But, uh, you know, we no. don't do that on this podcast. So I stopped. No, we do not. <laughs> I, I will, I, I'll say this, man. I'll say this. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to drop a couple extra names during this podcast. And I'm going to sneak them in, even if you yell at me, because that's how we do it I here, sir. Deliberately cut around that if, man, if <laughs> I'm trying to give context to this. I'm trying to give context to this class, man. I think it's an excellent class early on. It really does look like one. Well, that is for sure. And I, I'm curious to see who who ends up making your back end. And why don't you kick us off here, Ryan? Who who is your number five offensive tackle for the 2024 class? JC Latham, offensive tackle, University of Alabama is number five for me. I, I think talent-wise, Joe, I, I you can make an argument that he might be a spot or two higher on this top five. But mm-hmm. I just have some reservations with him right now, man. Former five-star recruit, listed 6'6", 335 pounds. I see all the tools that you would want in an offensive tackle at the next level. He's got length. He's got size. He has foot quickness. Anytime you have those three, I can work with you. I can work with you because those are uh, three of the most important things that you want to look for at the offensive tackle position. I just struggle with his consistent base. I think he plays on his heels a little bit too much, and I just don't think he's as proactive of initiating contact as he needs to be. I think he's a little bit more reactive than proactive right now. So the tools are there. He's only a one-year starter at Alabama, which one-year starter, he's going to, in theory, take a huge jump as a soft, mm-hmm. as a third-year player. And I think he will take a massive jump. I do. And if he does, he has all the makings of being a first-round caliber offensive tackle. I just am a little hesitant on him right now because I just think there's a lot of maturation that needs to happen right now. Before we continue on with this video, I just want to tell you folks about an exciting new partnership that we have with this channel with Underdog Fantasy. Ever since I joined, I've been having so much fun. There are so many different exciting games that make watching games during the offseason more exciting. I'm not the biggest basketball fan, but it has made it way more entertaining since I found Underdog Fantasy. And my favorite game to play so far, which I think you should try out, is Pick'em. It is so easy to play. Just pick higher or lower on your favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it simple. With their easy-to-use website and mobile apps, pick between two and five players to fill out your Pick'em slip 
Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. Use code HACK, H-A-C-K, HACK, like the name of this channel. Use code HACK to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Go sign up. You won't regret it. You're going to have a blast. Check out Underdog Fantasy. I also want to tell you folks about our other reoccurring sponsor that we have on this channel, that being BetOnline, betonline betonline.ag, which has all the updated odds, news, and anything for sports betting. It's my go-to source for when I want to be betting specifically on games. I love betting on college basketball or the NBA, uh, especially again during the offseason. Always looking for more fun ways to be uh, focused in on some of these other sports. It's betonline.ag and use promo code BELIEVE50. It's promo code BELIEVE50 to get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Yeah, I'm on the same boat as you here with with GC Latham, not in terms of placement. I think I was just a little bit more excited about Latham than you were. Like all, all the athletic tools are there. The guy moves really well. He's really flexible. He's got a really good explosive first step out of his stance when he is kick setting. I, I'm a little concerned with what he's able to do as a run blocker because despite him having strength, I don't think he yeah. properly uses it he doesn't really drive a lot of guys off the ball he blocks a little bit too high for my liking I think that Latham has every capability to progress this season and to become one of the better players in this class and then eventually be a first rounder it's just a matter of does he take those necessary steps so I understand why you're placing him at five here there is a little bit of a a risk to assume that he does end up getting there but if we're being realistic a former five-star recruit if anyone's going to figure it out and get to that point, it's probably going to be a five-star recruit. Well, and I'm not adverse to risk in summer scouting. I'm not. I mean, I mean, think back to summer scouting that we did last year, Joe, some of the rankings. It's like a couple of the guys just didn't take that step, man. Like they just didn't take that necessarily jump. And But I think that the biggest thing here is that you're betting on traits in the summer. And I still am betting on J.C. Latham's traits because I literally have just said that I think he could end up being a first-round pick. It's just – Right now, with where I'm seeing him projected, I just think that there's two different avenues of the player that you see right now. The player that you see now, the player you hope to be, they have not merged yet. They could merge someday, but I just think there's a little bit of hesitation on my part. Just a little bit. So, Ryan, my number five guy is somebody who I know you're going to like. And I think if I'm just guessing, I think you probably have him at number four. And I think we might have had a little bit of a flip-flop situation here. Talese Fuaga from Oregon State. I really, really liked his film. He is massive. He's a little top-heavy, but he has a mauler mentality, which really got me juiced up. Uh, I think that he's a little inconsistent sometimes with his play angles, but if you look into the just the tools that he brings to the position, very light feet for a guy who's listed at 326, might even be in that 330 range, the way that he's put together. I also oh, my, my, guy, my guy was playing at like 340 last year. Let's be honest. Yeah. Big dude. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe he slimmed down a little bit, but he was he yeah. was a big bowling ball type guy. But the thing that I really liked about him is the pop that he has in his hands. He can really command where a defend or where a pass rusher goes with that power that he brings with his upper body. I just think all of that stuff, man, the the dude is powerful. Kind of reminds yep. me, not a direct one-to-one, but just like what made Darnell Wright rise through the process is that he was strong, not necessarily the most flexible, not the best uh, athlete in space, 
but the power is what made him good on various reps. And I think that Fuaga uh, brings a lot to the t- a lot of that to the table. I, I really like Talise Fuaga, man. He is for a guy his size playing right tackle for Oregon State. The one crazy part, Joe, that I thought was that his foot quickness was actually really good, man. There was like some outside zone reps where I was like, he's able to establish a good position, able to run the outside shoulder, able to work to the second level. I'm like, there's some some traits to work with here. I, I don't think that he's the most flexible kid of all time. I do think he's no. a little bit tight, just a little bit. But again, he's a right It's tackle. hard when you're that top so heavy. It's hard when yeah. you're that big. Well, I mean, and, and that dude is just massive all the way around, man. He's got a trunk, and like sometimes when you have that trunk, it's it's hard to be able to redirect in space consistently. I really like Talise Fuaga. I actually recommended him to an agent during the season this past year. Oh. So, like, yeah, I've, I've been on Talise Fuaga for a little bit from Oregon State. I do not have him in my top five, though, Joe. Do not have him. Wow. In my top five. Oh, yes. you, you told me to watch him, and I watched him. Full. It's one of those yes. things where, like, you kind of lay these sprinkles sometimes and, like, I don't know. I had really liked him. I think you knew crumbs. that I was going to like him because of uh, my um, my affinity for large hulking individuals that play offensive and defensive line. Now, I mean, I like him a lot, though, man. I think he has starting traits as a right tackle on the NFL level. I really do. I think that he he prob he might have been seven for me actually. Now that I'm looking at my list of like a couple other guys on there, he probably would have been number seven on my list. But like, I don't hate you having him on here at all because I don't think people talk about him enough. Man, two of the better offensive linemen in the Pac-12 that no one talks about both play for the same team. One is Talise Fuaga, the other one is the left tackle Jonathan Gray, who's probably going to be a center guard on the next level because he just isn't incredibly lengthy, but he is a really athletic kid. So mm. give the Oregon State Beaver some love, man. Jonathan Smith's building something good out there, I think. Did uh did the left tackle is he on our interior offensive line watch list? He he is not. He is not. Uh, no, we'll we'll watch uh, him at maybe some point. I'll, I'll watch him. Yeah, I might well, make. I, a point oh, I have. Watch him. I I have watched him. You'll watch him at some point, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so to get it out of the way, my number four was J.C. Latham. Uh, nice. Just seems like I'm just slightly higher on him than than you are, but I think we're both in that same ballpark where, again, you see the traits, everything makes sense, every box is checked. But the play consistency, the reps where we talked about in the scouting report episode, where he's getting completely dropped by Derek Hall, that stuff needs to get off film. So he's number four for me. Who is your number four? Number four for me is Roger Rosengarten from University of Washington. Big fan of Roger, man. Mm -hmm. Plays right tackle for Washington. I think that he can play right or left tackle. He reminds me a lot of Mitchell Schwartz. That obviously was a long-time, very good starting right tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. Checks a lot of boxes athletically. I think his length is good. I think his flexibility is very good. I think his foot quickness is good. He plays with some of the best hands in this class, man. Not the strongest mitts of all time, but he really understands how to set and then reset his hands against more advantageous rushers, guys that have a little bit better hand usage. I really like him, man. He's one of those kids that's a little bit in the Joe Alt vein. Like, I think that he has a little more pop in his hips than Joe does right now. But the thing that that some people, I think, will get turned off with Roger is, like, he's not a butt kicker in the run game consistently. He's a kid that just wins, just wins, and he stacks wins. He stacks wins. And if you remember Mitchell Schwartz when he was at his best with the Kansas City Chiefs, he was the same way, man. It was like, th- does he have the most impressive highlight tape of all time for an offensive lineman? No, but what he does is he just wins reps. That's all he does. And I think that Roger Rosengarten wins reps. He's incredibly flexible, just smooth, man. Incredibly smooth. Mm-hmm. Starting right tackle at the next level, in my opinion. 
definitely. I think that he is plus starting potential at the next level. Big fan of Roger Rosengarten out of Washington. I, I admittedly did not get enough eyes on him to put him into my ranking. I'm wondering if he might have pushed his way in. So is the assumption that he is he, – was he left tackle last year for Washington? Was he, he, was right right ta- he was the right tackle for Washington, yeah. So is I, he I, bumping I, over to left? I, I, I So they have the kid that started at left tackle last year coming back. So I'm assuming, unless something crazy okay. happens, that, that he's probably going to be playing right tackle again for the Huskies. That's right. They bumped in. They bumped in Jackson Kirkland, who we we talked a good amount about last last year. Uh, Rose Garden, though, I know that you've you've talked about him to uh, a massive extent. So I, I'm a little yeah. disappointed in myself that I I didn't get to to actually watch him. So I, okay, the one thing I want to bring up before we move on to the next, I'm I'm glad that you didn't put in here. Kings Don't be and mean. Don't no, be it's, mean. It's, no, 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 no. It's not a mean thing. I just like yeah. I, I I thought that if you included him, I would have been we would have been on totally opposite ends of the spectrum here. Cause I just, I didn't really understand Kingsley Sumatea from BYU. I just, I don't know. I thought that there were a lot of issues with this game. I don't, we don't need to go do a deep dive. on you, this, you don't, I, you just, don't, I thought he might've snuck in on your, you end. don't, you don't like length athletic, like length and athleticism and offensive tackle. It's not the thing. I mean, that's what Kingsley's got going on, man. He's um, talented. He's talented, man. Yeah, but it's not like he's six eight long. He's six six. It's it's he's not six like six three twenty with length and can move. I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Here, <laughs> here's my only thing before I'm going to share my number three guy. So we I, are so we are going into King, Kingsley right now. This is yeah, I just want to I just want to bring it up. I yes, just want I just yes. want to bring it up because I know who the next three guys that you and I are going to talk about are. It's pretty obvious because we were very juiced up about talking about them on the scouting report episodes, but. Uh, so Matea, it's the same issue that I had with Blake Freeland, but I thought Blake Freeland was further along last summer when we talked about him. It's they're tall and they play too high. And like, I can't, I, it's I, hard for me to get behind a guy who doesn't play low. Like that's just, it, it bugs me. See, I, I think that Blake legitimately had some deficiencies with bending because he was so tall. I don't think Kingsley has those deficiencies. I think he's more flexible. I just, First year starter well, at BYU and young. That's what I think it was. That's that's kind of my point here is that yeah. if you have the flexibility and you're not playing low, then I'm worried. Like that's where I'm like getting a little bit worried. But I, I don't mean to take us too far. Was he one of the guys that you wanted to bring up? At or, or am I? He, he was. The, the two guys that oh. I wanted to mention was Talise Fuaga, who we obviously talked about already, and then Kingsley Sumatea, okay. who was the former five star at Oregon, now transferred to BYU. Apparently, he has a very close relationship with Penny Sewell and Noah Sewell growing up as well, which is a cool note. So I'll move us to our number number three guy. I think that we're both tied here at number three with this guy. If not, you probably have him at number two, but I'm referring to Amarius Mims from Georgia. I think that if Amarius Mims had played just half the season, not a full season, <laughs> half the season, we would be talking about him very differently. I think it would be yeah. a lock that he would be a top two guy had he played half of the season. For those who missed the scouting report episode on him, go watch it. But what is so exciting about Mims, having only really played as a starter in two games during the playoff after stepping in for Warren McClendon, the guy freaking dominated against very good competition, especially against Ohio State. The thing that is yeah. so frust- uh, frightening about Mims is that not only is he a phenomenal, stupid athlete for his size, and he moves so fluidly, but the fact that he is so 
he can so easily generate power and a power that is violent, that is easily displacing and disrupting defenders. That to me is dangerous. And I think that if you can reel in some of the technical deficiencies that he has, the guy is going to be a premier player at the next level. He's got every single box check to be a dominant football player. He just needs to play more games. We haven't seen him play enough to, to really firmly uh, kind of back him. But if we get those two games, at least three quarters of the games next season, he plays at that level, there's a yeah. very good chance he's a top 10 pick. Joe, I wanted to put him at number two so bad. I ended up keeping him at three just for the same reason you just said. I, I can't put him over Joe Walton, Olu Fashanu right now just because you have much more data points on both of those players. Like They're much more surefire things, and they're both extremely talented. Like It's not a lack of talent conversation. I would argue, this would be my argument, that Amarius Mims is the most physically gifted player on this list, in my opinion. You combine yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Size, length, explosiveness physicality he's got the goods man i can't believe he wasn't starting for this team until the latter stages of the, of the season i really can't i would i would argue that his ohio state game was the best game i've seen of anybody on film yes. of these offensive yes. tackles this past year i think that he was just absolutely phenomenal that football game but you only have a couple games to go back on you have Two years of Joe Walt. Well, a year and a half of Joe Walt. You have 10 starts for a guy like Olu Fashanu. You just can't conceivably put him over right now. But I'm here to say, and a disclaimer, and I, I talked about this when we broke down to Marius Mims, when we're talking about this kid that is 6'7", 330 pounds with incredible length, probably 36-inch arms, really good athleticism, and incredible core strength, this kid could be OT1 when it's all said and done. I, I'm just going to put it out there. I think he could be. If he ends up going top five to ten, I would not be surprised. If he goes before one of the top two tackles or as the first offensive tackle at the board, I would not be shocked. Maybe slightly surprised in that situation, but I would not be shocked. I would not because this kid has some of the rarest tools that you're ever going to see of an offensive tackle. It's just about he's got to play, man. You need to see a resume. You need to see it because the tools are insane, man. Absolutely insane. Yeah, I I don't want to overthink talent like this um even though it was only a couple games i think the ceiling is is so freaking high for for him to continue to get better and better wait did you say he was your number three he's my number three as well yeah okay. I, I i wanted to move him up to two but i just i just couldn't yeah. validate that in my opinion i just couldn't validate it's, it it's just a little bit too bullish to move it's, aggra- it's aggressive yeah it's aggressive I, no doubt i will say i'm gonna put this out there though yeah if he does play at this level that he did in the Ohio State game for, again, most of the year, if he moves up in these tackle rankings, I don't think he only moves up one spot. I think he moves all the way up to number one. And I, yes. I think that, that should yes. be a hot take. Well, I, I don't. The crazy part is, Joe, is that that was his first start of the season, right? Was Ohio State. So he could be even better than that, <laughs> potentially. Yes. Like, it's not even like it's conceivable that he's better than that. You're talking about yes. if he's just Ohio State good for the entire season. I agree. But the crazy part is, is that he is going to be conceivably much better than that as well, which is just disturbing. Yeah. I mean, here, hot take. This is an actual hot take. Okay. He has generational talent. Generational talent. Does that mean that he'll become a generational prospect? No, that's not what that means. But if we're just talking about the the athletic traits he has, he has generational upside, in my opinion, as a talent. I think so. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. 
At number two, I think we're on the same page on one and two. Maybe we're opposite here because I think you like Joe Alt a little more than than I do. Joe Alt is my number two, who is the PFF darling, the six foot eight freakish behemoth with the NHL, NFL bloodlines. <laughs> yes. Joe Alt, man, I, I I don't think he's as these other guys with Olufashanu and Mims. He's not as athletic in the sense where he doesn't move as well in space, space, which is harder for him to do because he's so freaking tall. But what makes Joe Alt so dangerous is one, despite being 6'8", he has the flexibility and the pad level of an interior offensive lineman that's only 6'3", which is impossible to find. You're just not going to find someone who plays this low. Uh, he, like Nate Solder was one guy who did a really good job of this. And I think that Joe Alt looks like he plays lower than Nate Solder. I'm excited by that. And the thing that I really want to know, which I think maybe we'll get soon once we get some of these preseason grades, I want to know how long his arms are because he is so tall and his arms are so long that that's his best trait. And no matter what level of technical refinement that he needs, he can win reps with bad footwork, bad positioning because his arms are so long. I do want to see him build out his frame a little bit more. He is a little bit wiry in his arms. His legs are a little bit thin. I wonder how heavy he can get up to that doesn't hurt him so much. Yeah. But I think if you bulk up his arms a little bit more, he can go from being a great offensive tackle to a very, very elite offensive tackle. But the length is stupid, and he dominates because of it. Well, for the sake of not getting disjointed in this conversation, Joe, I have Joel as my number one offensive tackle. Uh, in this class. Okay. I do. I had a feeling Dude, that was I, coming. I, Joe, I mean, he, I I, re- I read a scouting thing from a from a legitimate source in the NFL that projects him to run a four nine flat in the in the forty as well at his size. So like, this is a wow. legitimately really good athlete at six eight, three hundred fifteen pounds. Length is going to be silly. We're unfortunately not going to get an arm length measurement on him. We're not going to because he's only a junior. So we'll have to wait until he goes to the combine for that or whatever. So, but we'll get those measurements because he is incredibly long. He's a good athlete. The things that you can't teach; those are the those are the unteachable things, right? The long arms, six eight, three fifteen, really good athlete, cool, unteachables. He's got them all. The teachables that he has, which are better than anyone in this class right now, in my opinion, is one: he understands how to use and activate that length. He understands how to use that, and two: he's, he's te- so technically sound that he's such a patient pass protector, man. Mm. Like he doesn't let guys get into his chest. He always looks like he's not phased. And he's not rushing ever. He just is controlled. And that control is based upon the preparation that he has as a football player each and every day. Watching film, lifting in the weight room, developing his craft with his offensive line coaches, both in Notre Dame, outside of Notre Dame, and his father, John Alt, who played in the NFL for 10 years. So I think that he has everything that you look for, man. I just I think he's an easy evaluation. I really do. Like, yes. Is there is there power that he could add to his frame? Hundred percent, no doubt about that. He can get stronger still. I don't think we've seen the best of Joe Walt, which is pretty crazy because his body is still developing. Because he was a yes. kid that was a two hundred sixty pound high school tight end. I mean, he's still growing into his frame. If he gets more of a power profile this year, then I think that he is a slam dunk top five to top ten pick, and I think that he's going to be a starting left tackle in the NFL at worst for a conceivable amount of time, if not an All Pro. Like, I think he has that type of upside. So Joe Alt was my offensive tackle one, though. I'm, I'm a big fan of him, man. I'm a huge fan. I just think it's such an easy evaluation. Yeah, no, easy evaluation. And Olufashanu was also an easy evaluation, who is 
uh, my guy, the Penn State offensive tackle. Yeah, he was an easy evaluation because had he declared what he was capable of doing, he probably could have been ahead of Paris Johnson, which we said last week on this program. Would have been a conversation, if nothing else. A conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that there are a lot of similarities that can be made between Fashanu and Paris Johnson's athleticism. I think why I like Fashanu where he's at right now more is that I see that Fashanu is comfortable with playing at that left tackle spot, whereas Paris Johnson was making that transition from guard to tackle. Not only is he comfortable, but the big thing for me is he's got the best flexibility out of all these guys. Like he moves so fluidly, he re- redirects so easily. His footwork is light, it is easy. Those movement skills are hard to find. I don't think that his power is overwhelming. He's not like a Marius Mims, he's not going to completely blow dudes up, but he moves so well that I think that that creates consistent reps and why he's able to win on a consistent basis. Probably won't finish as the number one guy but is still very likely going to be a first-round pick. Well, I, I think that for me, explosiveness, he also has great length, but his core strength is just what separates him as a prospect, in my opinion, man. There is a – Joe, it's it's tough for some guys to be able to sit down on power, man, and stall momentum because they're, t- they're working against some really talented pass rushers, especially in the Big Ten. I mean, he's seeing the Ohio States of the world, right? But you see him when he is able to get his base down and really able to just – sit down on that power, his core strength's ridiculous, man. He's got really strong hands, really strong core. He halts power rushers. He absolutely halts them. I think that there is still development that needs to happen for him. And he's a kid that we just talked about Amarius Mims is like raw and for obvious reasons with playing time. I think we forget that Olu Fashano's only started like 10 football games in his college career. It's not like he's played a ton of ball. So I think that there's still some things that need to improve as far as angles and hand placement consistently. But if he fixes it, if he figures it out, I mean, this kid is just going to be a DeBrickashaw Ferguson type of left tackle. Well, folks, that's going to be it from us on today's show. Make sure you drop a comment, your thoughts below at Joe Delio and at Rising Draft. We'll be back with more. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.